0: Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? We are back at it again with another episode. I am making this episode currently from my new house. I just got finished moving over the weekend, so I do apologize if the Instagram and TikTok weren't really getting posted as much as I normally do, so I do, once again, I do apologize for that, but we'll be back to routinely, you know, getting everything done. Episodes will continue to be Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I made sure that I'd be able to upload these these episodes to y'all still, so... Do not expect any delay in that. But, guys, we actually do have some pretty decent college football news to talk about. The the majority of spring games they happened over the past weekend, we saw Quinn Ewers in action for the first time. We saw Caleb Williams in action for the first time. And we just saw a lot of transfer players for the first time, you know, with their new team. So we'll discuss that a little bit, you know, later in the episode. And then we do have a couple NFL news, um, The fact that Christmas, you know, Christmas Day is on a Sunday, which means, you know, NFL football always are on Sundays. And the NFL actually decided to capitalize on the fact that, hey, Christmas will be on a Sunday. And then we will finish up the episode discussing a little bit of MLB news. Miguel Cabrera, the future Hall of Famer and current, you know, Detroit Tigers legend. He finally got his 3,000th hit, which makes him the 33rd player in MLB history to accomplish that milestone, which, that's insane, the fact that he even got there, so... You know, huge congrats to Miguel. And then we'll finally talk about the whole Yankee Yankee fan and Cleveland Guardian situation that happened on Saturday and just how these things should be prevented and just how to be a normal fan and just not be, you know, a horrible human being. So... Guys, before we do get into today's episode, I do want to ask you to please make sure that you are following the official Instagram and TikTok of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast at Cover 7 with Mason Pierce on both platforms. Like I always do, I'll make sure to leave a link down in the description if you want to go check it out. I mean, hey, I've got some great content on both of them. If you want to stay up to date on sports news, definitely suggest following the Instagram. If you like just sports content, make sure you go follow the TikTok now guys, let's get right into today's episode. And for the first news we have, it's actually regarding former Louisville wide receiver Tyler Harrell, who had just entered the transfer portal earlier on last week and was already getting looked at by a lot of schools. But it did seem to be, look like you know Alabama was going to be the final team to land him. And this is actually what you know ended up happen happening. Tyler committed on I think it was Friday. He ended up committing to Alabama in the Crimson Tide. And now that they have him and former Georgia wide receiver Jalen Burton in the same wide receiver group. That is just going to be disgusting. Bryce Young finally got, you know, a huge weapon that he's going to want. Definitely expect, you know, Tyler to possibly play another Jamison Williams role where he transfers from another school and then immediately fills, you know, the wide receiver one position. Now, I do think Jalen will probably end up, you know, taking the wide receiver one position and then Tyler will probably end up being in the two simply, you know, or Jermaine. I've... I'm so sorry. Jermaine Burton. Jermaine will probably end up taking the wide receiver one and then Tyler will take the wide receiver two, simply for the fact Jermaine has proven a lot more, but Tyler's a more of a speedster too, so he'll obviously be a little bit better playing in the wide receiver two position. So, Bryce Young right now is probably like a kid on Christmas. I mean, his eyes are all glazed and everything. I mean, the main reason why Tyler he said in an interview I think like 24-7 sports why he wanted to go to Alabama was the fact that you know Bryce Young was the starting quarterback for the Crimson Tide just got off a Heisman winning season you know made it to the college football um, playoff championship and you know almost won a national championship against one of the best defenses in college football history so definitely I do think Alabama will probably end up Making it to the national championship game this year. I mean, they're obviously going to make it to the playoffs unless something magically happens. I mean, if a Nick Saban-led team does not make it even remotely close to the playoffs, that is something to worry about. But yeah, Nick Saban and Alabama—they're not done, and they probably will not. They probably, they probably won't be done until the season starts. And even then, I think even though the season starts, they still will not be done. So huge pickup for Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide, getting Tyler Harrell from Louisville. Now, the next news we have is regarding Quinn Ewers. Now, in case you don't know who Quinn Ewers was, he was a, one of the highest ranked recruits of all time over guys like Peyton Manning, Jadavion Clowney. I mean, he I mean, he's, he was one of the most amped up quarterback recruits of all time. He went to South Lake Carroll High School in Texas, and then he ended up um, enrolling early to go to Ohio State, which we partially all think was due to NIL reasons because... He got a $3 million NIL deal. I think anyone would be crazy not to accept it, but ended up enrolling a year early at Ohio State, pretty much just rode the bench, practically redshirted that year. And I I mean, I don't understand, besides money-wise, if he was going there to play, why he genuinely thought he, he ever would have had a chance at Ohio State, considering the fact that C.J. Stroud was going into his first year at starting, I guess he might have thought he would have been able to beat him out. But even if he beat out C.J., he still had to beat out Jack Miller. And then, not to add on top of that, Ohio State's going to get more 2023 recruits at quarterback, so he's going to have to compete with them. As well. So it's just one of those situations where I think Quinn didn't want to have to necessarily compete. He thought it'd be given to him simply for the fact that he's like, "Hey, I'm like the I'm the next Peyton Manning-esque recruit. This is my spot, but nothing less." In the in the, in the one game we did see him in, he played okay. It wasn't anything spectacular, but obviously it was in garbage time. So he ended up, you know, entering the transfer portal, which no no one was really shocked that happened. And then he ended up committing to Texas, which was a school he originally was committed to before he decommitted and then went to Ohio State. And obviously Texas seemed to be the better fit from the start. He you know, Steve Sarkeesian, David Cutcliffe, the whole coaching staff. I mean, we all know Steve Sarkeesian, you know, he practically molded Bryce Young, and he's done great with quarterbacks. So, I mean, any quarterback would want to go play for him. And then, obviously, David Cutcliffe, who has ties to the, the Manning family. I mean, it's it's it was a no-brainer. And also the fact that he would be returning home, which is what he's, which is why he chose Texas. But I have a feeling that was a plan all along, was just go to Ohio State for a year, transfer out, and then go back to Texas. But anyway, besides the fact, Quinn Ewers, we actually saw him in Texas's spring game on Saturday, and. He actually had a really good play, which was a 62-yard touchdown pass to uh, former Wyoming wide receiver Isaiah Nayer, which I talked about a couple of months ago when he did originally enter the transfer portal and said, hey, this guy's probably going to be a sneaky, good wide receiver for the Longhorns. And definitely during the spring game, he looked like it. So it was definitely a good sign of hope in regards to what Quinn Ewers can you know give to the Longhorns considering the fact that, hey, he can throw the deep ball. But during his first drive, he went one for five. And then he had one ball that was thrown on a busted screenplay. So he was eh. And then also add on to the fact that he still is technically competing with Hudson Card for the starting starting position. And, you know, Steve Sarkeesian has already made it clear that nobody, sh- you know, should read anything into which quarterback started first. So I do think Quinn probably has the upper hand simply for the fact he's Quinn Ewers. And then just the name by itself will probably give him the upper upper hand in the battle. But do not be shocked if we do see Hudson possibly, you know, kind of do a 1-2 quarterback situation where Quinn does a couple drives, Hudson does a couple drives. Kind of what they wanted to originally do with Casey Thompson before, you know, Casey ultimately transferred to Nebraska. So, definitely it was cool seeing Qu- Quinn finally in action and we finally could see what he offered. I mean, as we all know, Quinn doesn't necessarily have the frame of, a, you know, he's not big, he's not buff. he's, You know, he's, not, he's he doesn't look like he could... You know, sling the ball, but I mean, he's got a great arm, and I will give him that. He's got decent mobility, but just the current quarterback situation right now in Texas between Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers, I feel is probably a lot closer to each other than we really do realize. Because I thought when Quinn originally transferred to Texas, it was just going to be an instant, instant start for Quinn Ewers simply for the fact, you know, former five-star, one of the highest, you know, highest-rated recruits of all time. And Hudson's giving him a run for his money, which I'm kind of glad to see because last year when Hudson card he did get the, you know the, the starting quarterback reigns. he didn't really perform that well, especially against Arkansas when he eventually got sat for, um, uh, I can't even talk Casey Thompson. So definitely just something to continue to monitor. I do think once again Quinn will be the starter for the Longhorns going into the 2022 season, but nothing less. It's a lot closer than we really do think. Now since we are still talking about spring games and. As we all know, we had a, much, a good amount of spring games. Let's talk about Caleb Williams and USC. Now, in case you don't know, Caleb Williams is very similar to Quinn Ewers, a former five-star recruit coming out of high school, but he but he went to um, Oklahoma, which is obviously, you know, Texas's biggest rival, but obviously he had to sit behind former five-star and, you know, QB1 star Spencer Rattler, you know, because Spencer pretty much had already been guaranteed the starting spot. And, you know, him and Lincoln already had, I guess you could say, kind of a bond. And as Spencer started to struggle a lot, you know, the early parts of the 2021 campaign, we saw him definitely struggle a little bit against Tulane. We saw him definitely struggle against West Virginia. And then ultimately, we saw him against Texas where he just completely lost it. And Lincoln finally had no other choice but to go start the former five-star quarterback in Caleb Williams. And Caleb Williams came back and led the Oklahoma Sooners to, you know, to beat Texas at the last, you know, literally the last minute. So that was kind of the beginning of stardom for Caleb Williams. Now, he looked a little shaky in the first half against Kansas. He ended up getting, not benched, but kind of just, you know, they sat him down for a couple plays, you know, get his nerves down against Kansas. And then he came back, and he actually had a pretty incredible play where, I think I forgot who was running the ball but a running back was about a yard short of the first down marker and then he ends up running to the running back grabs the ball from him and then dives over the first yard or the first down marker and gets the first down for the Sooners so he plays with a lot of effort he plays with a lot of ambition and he's just someone you know just really fun to watch he shined against Oregon in the Alamo ball and he finished the year really strong and we all had a lot of high hopes for him you know going into the uh, 2022 campaign now After um, the Bedlam rivalry game, which is Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State, Lincoln Riley officially had announced that he would be going to USC. He would be hired as USC's next head coach after they fired Clay Helton, which that definitely shocked a lot of people because he had been rumored to go to a couple different schools. LSU was majorly in the running to get him, but USC offered him something that, I mean, anyone would be crazy not to accept. I mean, he got... Literally a six million dollar mansion out of it. Use of private jets twenty four uh, seven. USC bought both of his mansions in Oklahoma. I mean, it was an incredible deal. You can just cannot refuse. So nothing less. We really had not seen much of Lincoln Riley and the USC Trojans, and all in you know all their new transfers they got from the transfer portal. Like former Oregon running back Travis Dye, and then you got former Oklahoma wide receiver Mario Williams. And that's just the, that, and that's not even scratching the surface of all the guys they got. They got Jerry Rice's son um I think Brendan Rice from Colorado which he's actually a really good wide receiver in himself he's got great length on him obviously it would be a great red zone threat but nothing less the huge acquisition that you know Lincoln Riley and the Trojans got was getting you know Lincoln's former recruit Caleb Williams from Oklahoma which it looked like once again LSU was you know almost in contention to get him like they were with Lincoln Riley before but USC ultimately ended up landing him because as you all know, NIL is kind of taking over college football landscape. It's kind of becoming a recruiting method, you could say, because the second Caleb landed in LA, he got beats by Dre deals. He got a bunch of car deals. I mean, it was insane. He practically is making almost four to five million, the most that like Nick Saban and a lot of these head coaches are making right now, and probably more than some NFL guys are making, which is insane to think because you think two years ago, players couldn't even get. from a random person saying hey come to my school so nothing less we finally did get to see Caleb Williams in action on Saturday in USC's spring game which he lived up to every single hype and expectation that you know that was already set for him I mean Caleb Williams completed his first nine passes for 90 yards and two touchdowns while He seemed to be keeping great poise in the pocket, not getting too nervous. And yes, you could say also because it's a spring game, he doesn't have to worry about getting any contact except, you know, getting touched. Because once again, he was wearing, I mean, normally it's a red uniform, but he was wearing the yellow uniform in USC's case. So obviously, he still was very good. And he also wasn't afraid to, you know, go to his check downs instead of trying to aerate a ball that didn't need to be aerated. So he still showed great potential. And yes, the second half he did, you know, kind of simmered down a little bit. He only completed one more pass, which was for eight yards, and he was one at three in the second half, which he only had two three-and-out drives. So, once again, this is a spring game. They probably weren't going to, you know, try and push him too heavy considering the fact that, hey, they already know what what the talent he brings to the table. But nothing less, Caleb Williams is still the same Caleb Williams we saw last season in Oklahoma, and I definitely expect USC to, you know, easily make the Pac-12 conference game. If they don't that's already a disappointment in itself because no offense besides oregon and maybe washington if they seem you know do a little bit better under their new coaching staff there's no other real competition ucla no offense was not going to even be anywhere near close making a pac-12 championship even for the next couple years usc right now is probably in the best prime position they have been in in probably the past decade i mean Back when they had Matt Barkley, Marquise Lee, had Robert Woods, you know, the the amazing offense. Now, I'm wondering if it's going to be one of those situations where they just don't have any defense, but they have an amazing offense. Because, once again, we all know Lincoln Riley is known greatly for, you know, recruiting the best offensive guys out there, but does not focus on the defensive side of the ball. And, yes, he did get his former Oklahoma quarterback in Latrell McCutcheon, but there just was not any, like, huge, huge guys they got from the transfer portal regarding the defensive side of the ball so that is another thing to also keep her eye out on but nothing less i'm really happy for caleb because i do think he will be a lot better being in cali being in the same the same offense with lincoln riley and also the same thing too with brent venables and now they've got jeff levy as our offensive coordinator in oklahoma dylan gabriel the ucf transfer quarterback he fits that scheme a lot better you know more of an air raid quarterback because we all saw at UCF when he was with Josh Heupel and Gus Malzahn, they kind of run the same similar offense, and he thrived under it. So I think once again Oklahoma will probably be a top ten team this season. They're getting overlooked. I mean, right now I, I definitely it's time to you know this is coming from a TCU fan after all. So it you know it's got to be true. Definitely it's time to hype on the Oklahoma bandwagon, buy stock in the team if you need be, because I'm telling you they will be coming like a Great train come September and October. Now, the next news I do want to talk about, and we're still going to be talking about Oklahoma and the USC thing because you know Lincoln Riley kind of snaked Oklahoma and went to USC. But it was reported that that USC they had about 33,000 people at their spring game, which was an actual record for them, and that's largely due to the fact that they had a lot more you know stars out on the field with Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, and all the transfers that came in during the off season. Now. Oklahoma, right, you think, okay, they probably were a little bit down in attendance, you know. I mean, Brent Venables, everyone loves him, but, you know, they're not going to have 33,000 people. You're right. They didn't have 33,000 people. They had double that. They had about 75,000 people. They had to open the top deck in the stadium just to fill everyone up. Because, remember, this is free admission, right, so you can pretty much sit wherever you want. They had to open the top deck just to get everyone in. So, yeah, yeah. Oklahoma fans are more riding behind Brent Venables than they ever have with Lincoln Riley, and I think I think Lincoln Riley leaving leaving Oklahoma was the best thing for Oklahoma because we started we started to see a lot of the fans their disgust and the failure that Oklahoma had going into the college football playoff and even sometimes New York Six Bowl games, right? Because I mean we always saw okay they made the playoff but they're gonna be a first round exit similar to kind of how Notre Dame has been literally the past decade and a half. We saw it when they played Alabama back in 2012. They got blown out in the BCS National Championship. We saw it against Oklahoma State this past year when they played in Fiesta Bowl and they gave up a late comeback to the Pokes. It's just something that we constantly see. And also, like, once again with Notre Dame, when they played Clemson in the college football playoff back in uh, early 2021, they got blown out. They got smoked by Trevor Lawrence and the Clemson Tigers. So I just, I don't think, No offense, I don't think Lincoln Riley has any postseason success that really would appeal. Now, yes, he's a regular season warrior. Don't get me wrong. He'll probably still lose some games that you never would expect him to lose. You know, like Washington State, maybe Washington, those type of games. He'll probably end up losing, which that's just because they don't have defense. Unfortunately, a Lincoln Riley-led team... Will just be solely focused on offense it will not be solely focused on defense and yes you're probably like dude just shut up you're just trying to hate on lincoln just to hate on lincoln i'm not i like lincoln riley as a head coach but you cannot ignore the fact that any team he has ever coached has been more offensively rounded versus any focus on the defensive side of the ball because oklahoma that the whole time they were coached by him would you know put up 75 points a game but then would end up giving up 50-plus, right, which that is horrible. So, USC fans, y'all do have a reason to be excited. Lincoln Riley is a great head coach. His younger brother, Garrett Riley, who is the current offensive coordinator at TCU, my favorite school, he's doing amazing with Sonny Dykes and the new offense for our team, bringing bringing, TCU back to an air raid offense, which I think is going to fit Chandler Morris or Max Duggan pretty well. So, nothing less, no hate to lincoln riley or any of the usc trojan fans staff whatever i personally am excited to watch them this year but do not overhype them so much beyond belief that you expect them to go 12 and 0 they will not go 12 and 0 this year i think probably the ceiling for them is 12 and 0 i'm not saying it's not a possibility but likelihood they'll probably either go 10 and 2 or 11 and 1 which with you know one of those losses or two of those losses being just kind of shocking games right those You know, the games that, you know, they should be blowing a team out, 30-something to zero, they end up losing. So, enough with my rant about USC and Lincoln Riley. But, yeah, it was really cool seeing USC finally take the field, and they do look really good on offense. Now, let's talk a little bit about Travis Hunter, the five-star recruit who was originally committed to Florida State. Largely due, in fact, you know, he liked Dion he liked, you know, he grew up in the Florida area, right? I mean, most times if you grew up in the Tallahassee area or just northern Florida, you're going to you know, grow up being a Florida State fan, right? Or Miami, whatever you choose. But yeah, he originally committed to Florida State. And then late in his recruiting process, and I mean literally I think a day before National Signing Day, he ended up flipping to Jackson State after having a couple conversations with you know current Jackson State head coach Dion Sanders, who... Is arguably known as one of the greatest cornerbacks in all of football history, whether it's college football or NFL. So, and it made sense for him. I mean, you can say, oh, they gave him NIL deals, which might be part of it, but also the same fact. If you're trying to get to the NFL and you're about to get Deion Sanders as your head coach who will teach you all his ways and has connections to the NFL personally, you can't give up an opportunity like that. I mean, you can't simply go. Oh, yeah, I'm. I'm just going to go to FSU right now. Who's currently going through a horrible rebuilding stage with, you know, their head coach possibly getting fired and Mike Norvell in the next couple years, versus having a a lot more stability going to Jackson State with one of the greatest NFL players of all time as your head coach, who coaches your current position. I mean, that's just that's a no-brainer. But anyway. He ended up committing to Jackson State. It was a huge breaking thing that happened. He's the first five-star recruit to ever go to Jackson State. I mean, there's always there's been, you know, Jackson State's had a legend in Walter Payton, so it's not like they've never had any great players. But getting a guy like Travis Hunter was huge because he can play both sides of the football, kind of like how Miles Jack did for UCLA a couple years back. Now, Travis Hunter, he had um, the spring game, I think it was on Sunday. I saw a lot of highlights for it on Sunday. Now, I might be wrong. Y'all can correct me if you want, but I watched a couple highlights of him. It, he had two touchdown catches, and then he had a pick. All of that happened in the first half, which, yes, you can say he's playing a bunch of two- to three-star recruits, and he's playing a lot of, you know, un you know unrecruited guys, but those are still college-level athletes. Like, don't take credit away from them. But they're still playing Division One football, but Travis Hunter just made these guys look silly, and remember, he's never even taken a snap in college football yet. He's going into his freshman year in college, not not just his redshirt freshman year, his true freshman year. So Deion Sanders and, you know, Jackson State coaching staff, they got themselves a true gem with Travis Hunter. I hope Deion uses him right, keeps him healthy, and allows for him to be able to succeed at the next level, because not only is Travis Hunter a great player, he's also a great human being, he's funny, he's got great charisma, and, I mean, he's it's someone you wanna be around and I think a lot of coaches, especially in the NFL, are gonna love him. So it's gonna be really interesting to watch him the next three years at Jackson State with Dion, depending on, you know, if Dion possibly gets, you know, recruited to go to a bigger school, maybe Florida State, which I know Florida State fans would love, especially because think about it, if Dion State goes to Florida, that likely means Travis Hunter and a lot of those Jackson State kids, they're gonna follow him to Florida State. So besides the fact Travis Hunter Continues to live up to the hype. Continues to live up to what we saw him in high school, and I think he'll probably end up lead, you know, leading Jackson State to great success this year. Now, guys, that is it for today's college football news. Not crazy, crazy amount of news, but the news that we did discuss was definitely some stuff that you you know is going to really matter. Come, you know, false practices, fall camps, whatever it might be. And, you know, leading into the season, because once again, kind of interesting with the Texas quarterback situation, we don't have a solidified quarterback one yet. But it's also interesting knowing that, you know, Caleb Williams still has it, even though he is with a new team now. So, but yeah, guys, I hope y'all did enjoy today's college football news. But now let's get into some NFL news. Now, in regards to um, Earl Thomas, now you're probably like, whoa, I haven't heard that name in a while. And, Yeah, I was kind of shocked to hear this too last Friday whenever this actually got announced because, as you know, Earl Thomas, he has not played the past two years due to just kind of the whole situation he had with his girlfriend and being released by the Ravens due to like disciplinary issues and just things weren't going his way. But, you know, Earl Thomas announced on Friday that he, you know, he's ready and is physically in the best shape he's ever been and he's ready to return to the NFL now. In case you don't know who Earl Thomas is, he's a former member of the Legion of Boom in Seattle with Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Bobby Wagner, and just all of those you know future Hall of Fame players, right? And then he ended up once all once Richard left, once Cam retired, once Bobby was kind of getting you know things were starting to look like an end in the whole Seattle era era for all of them. He ended up jumping ship, went to the Baltimore Ravens on a I think it was a two year deal, and he looked really good in the one year that he did play for the Ravens. And obviously there was a lot of off-season issues, and it just looked like you know Earl Thomas was a was a locker room cancer, I guess you could say. And then the Ravens ultimately ended up you know releasing him. Now he had a lot of issues the past couple off seasons, but it was mostly regarding his wife, not his girlfriend. I'm sorry, his wife. And I guess he just needed a lot of time off, you know, get all get that whole legal situation fixed. And then now he's just you know bettering himself, getting back physically in shape, and apparently he's ready to return to the NFL. Now, I do think the Dallas Cowboys, who tried to make a run at him, but when he when he did leave Seattle before he got signed by the Ravens, they did try to make a run at him. So I'm hoping a team like the Cowboys might possibly go after him because now we kind of do have a huge hole at the safety position. And, yes, you, yes, we I know we, re, we re-signed J. Ron Kurz, which that was a great re-signing, something we needed to do. But also, at the same time, we don't have DeMonte Casey anymore kind of as a backup or just a, a safety blanket, right? So getting a guy like Earl Thomas, who's already proven, and yes, he's not prime Earl Thomas anymore, but he's still very solid. So yeah, Earl Thomas, he's officially coming back to the NFL, and I would not be shocked possibly to see him end up with the Cowboys. Just letting you know, just letting you know. (laughs) Now the next news we have, it's regarding the Newark Giants and their 2021 first round pick, Kadarius Toney. It was a frustrating year for the Giants that we all know it was. Guys were not getting used properly. Kenny Galladay, who just got a 75 million dollar deal after being with the the Lions for so long, and you know, showed out with Matt Stafford, and came over to the Lions go prove it. With not Lions, came over to the Giants to prove it with Daniel Jones. That completely busted. Didn't even record a single receiving touchdown on the year. Didn't look like the same Kenny Galladay. And that might be due, in fact, to the fact of Jason Garrett's horrible play calling, but also the fact who. Kadarius tony he didn't even barely get any playing time at all, and he was their first-round pick last draft. Not like two, three drafts ago, last draft. Now, apparently, Kadarius Tony's not been showing up to practices. He's kind of been having a lot of off-the-field issues, and this is just reports, so take it with a grain of salt. But this is apparently a rumor right now that the Giants, they're trying to trade Kadarius Tony. They're going to try and give, get him away while he still has, I guess, some value. Ooh, excuse me, guys. I guess while well, he has some value. I didn't really understand why they picked Kadarius Tony when they did. They they had a lot more you know positions that needed you know to be focused on. I guess you could say they needed a lot more linemen. They needed a lot more edge rushers. But they went with another slot wide receiver even though they had Sterling Shepard too. So it didn't really make sense. And the fact that you know uh, Jason Garrett's offense never really would work with Kadarius Tony. It was just never a great fit, great fit from the start, and I think Brian Dable and his offense isn't gonna also focus around Kadarius Tony either. So it's it's sad to see because I wanted to see him succeed, but the whole the whole just the Giants as a franchise are so frustrating. And it's not because I'm a Cowboys fan; it's just they can't properly form talent. Like when they get talent, they ruin it. Saquon, right? never addressed the O-line position properly they went out and gave guys like nate soldier these huge contracts who didn't even deserve them and then they end up becoming a backup while he's getting paid eight nine million dollars a year will hernandez ends up just getting worse and worse every year after his rookie year and it just they've never had any solid starter on the offensive line and that's something I wish New York would address, and I mean actually address, not just go in the draft every year. Andrew Thomas, he hasn't been horrible, but he has not been great, obviously. I feel like he would have been better off sitting a year, kind of learning behind you know, a proven veteran starter. So then when he does come up, he will be great, you know what I mean? They should have gone out and got get guys like Brandon Sheriff, possibly. And I know New York, they don't have the best cap situation. But they need guys on the line, and they just never address positions that need to be fixed. So guys like Saquon, who can't even stay healthy half the time, their potential gets ruined. So, But yeah, 2021 first-rounder Kadarius Toney, he might be on his way out of MetLife. He might be out of his way out of the New York Giants. So that was, that was kind of strange to me because I never really thought that he would be on his way out. I thought he would... They would at least give him another year. And, I mean, yeah, if he has off-the-field issues, I get it. A lot of players have a lot of a lot of off-the-field issues. But I guess the Giants are giving up on the whole Kadarius um situation and kind of experiment. Now, the final NFL news I do want to talk about is um, the NFL and how they do their Christmas games. So, as you all know, Christmas Day this year, it will fall on a Sunday. NFL, obviously, they play all their games on Sundays. And the NFL actually decided to capitalize on the fact that, hey, Christmas is on a Sunday. So, the NFL announced they will have three games on December 25th for the first time ever. Two will be afternoon games on CBS and Fox, followed by a primetime game on NBC. So, I think this is going to be great because obviously, you know, the NBA and Christmas games, they've kind of declined every year, and I mean, yeah, I like the NBA and all that, but I mean, dude, it's going to be so much fun watching three NFL games on Christmas Day, especially after Christmas morning when you're all kind of tired and just, you know, hanging around, and boom, we got football going on that same day, so definitely, definitely, definitely cool thing that the NFL is doing, making three games on Christmas Day for all of us fans, so there is still some hope with the NFL. Now... <clears throat> Regarding the Debo Samuel, before, before we do go into some MLB news, I just remembered one like one last topic. Before we do, you know, obviously we do begin the MLB news, let's talk about the Debo Samuel trade, you know, news right now. So, apparently, the New York Jets, they, this is just per reports, they apparently are willing to trade the 10th pick in the first round to go and get Debo Samuel. Now, this... Not really shocking because, yes, Debo Samuel is a, not a generational talent, but he definitely is a talent that a lot of teams need, but also at the same time, you got to remember they're going to have to give him a contract extension if they want to keep him past just a one-year rental, right? So, the Jets are obviously one of the better you know places for him to go, I think, and yes, you're probably like, why would he want to go to the Jets? Zach Wilson is still a good quarterback. St- it still is going to take time for him to develop. I mean... The Jets were a horrible team last year, and yet he still started to get better and better after every single week. So there's still potential with Zach Wilson. And I think Debo probably would like, you know, being with Zach Wilson, considering the fact that, hey, he would have to deal with um, Trey Lance in San Francisco, who really hasn't proven anything. And that's simply due to the fact that, you know, the 49ers decided to keep Jimmy Garoppolo. But anyway, yeah. So the Jets are apparently really heavily after Debo Samuel, and don't be shocked possibly to see him end up a Jet. So... But, yeah, guys, that is it for today's NFL news. I don't want to continue to ramble and ramble and ramble and keep y'all listening, you know, for an hour and a half. So let's get into some of the MLB news. Now, the first news I want to talk about is Miguel Cabrera, the Detroit Tigers legend and future Hall of Famer. So as we all know, it's been very highly anticipated. The Yankees, they tried to prevent it by intentionally walking him when he could have gotten his 3,000th hit, which he wanted to apparently get against the Yankees due to the fact that, you know, they're the big dogs of baseball. And that would have been kind of cool, the fact that he would have gotten it against the Yankees, but Aaron Boone being Aaron Boone, decided to walk Miguel Cabrera, got extremely booed. But anyway, so actually it happened on um, Sunday, Miguel Cabrera, he's he's one of only 33 players in MLB history to accomplish the 3,000th hit milestone, obviously he'll be heading to Cooperstown here in about half a decade or so, and it's just amazing to see guys like this, which... It's just crazy to think that he is starting to get to the end part of his career. After you know, I practically grew up watching him, which man it makes me seem old, and I'm only 17. So, but yeah, congratulations, Miguel. I'm super happy for you. I mean, there's just no words to put what he's done for the Tigers. Which yes, I know they haven't been one of the better franchises in baseball, but Miguel once again has always brought energy to a team that's very much needed. And he finally got a huge milestone that not many players will ever hit. So, congratulations again, Miguel. And the final thing I want to talk about in today's episode, not really want to, going to talk too much about the NBA playoffs, simply for the fact that not too much has changed. I mean, the Brooklyn Nets, they're still struggling with the Boston Celtics. Kyrie and Katie are still struggling. Ben Simmons isn't even going to play in the series, so I guess they're already expecting a sweep. The Heat are demolishing the Hawks. It's... Pretty much all the same storylines are about the same, so if, you know, once again, I try to focus on more baseball and football, but if there is some breaking news that does come out in the NBA, I will make sure to update y'all. But anyways, the last news I want to talk about is the current Yankee fan and uh, Cleveland Guardian situation that happened on Saturday, which it really tarnishes the Yankees organization as a whole because it's not that they allowed it I mean the players were telling fans to quit throwing beer bottles water bottles and everything on the field because yeah they were hitting some people in the stands and it's actually kind of sad because you see a dad holding his his little girl holding her and trying to get her you know shoulder away from all the fans throwing which was just very like it was just it was just a bad situation but the whole situation actually didn't even start in right field which is where the bottles were thrown it actually started over in left field after Isaiah kiner falefa drilled an RBI double off the left field wall. And unfortunately, Guardian's left fielder, Stephen Kwan, who's actually begun his MLB career this year to an amazing start, having a great um, on-base streak, he actually crashed into the outfield wall, which has the ads, and, you know, it's not the padded part. So, he and after he hit his head on that, he ended up stumbling away from the wall, and he actually fell to his knees in pain. But Yankee fans were celebrating right in front of him, and... It was just a bad situation. So center fielder for the Cleveland Guardians, Myles Straw, he went up to check on Kwan. When apparently, this is according to Straw, a group of fans, one in particular, actually began applauding the injury. And they were mocking Kwan as he was getting checked on by trainers. So Straw in retaliation, he decided to jump up on the wall. And he actually started arguing with the fan. And it was... (sighs) it was just sad, I mean, I don't understand at the end of the day, these guys are humans they're not just machines, they're not just meant for our entertainment, right, they are human beings they have feelings, and the fact that you're cheering on someone who was injured and on the ground, obviously in major pain it's just, first off, it's selfish but it's classless, and it makes people not like the Yankees even more than they already do, and you know, even Straw said you can chirp all you want, you can say whatever you want, but when someone's hurt, that's not something to joke about, and I completely agree with that. No matter how big of a rivalry it is, I mean, Cleveland and New York is not that huge of a rivalry, but you still don't you, you still don't cheer some cheer someone when they're bleeding and obviously hurt. I mean, um the Cleveland Guardians, their manager, Harry Frank he even said that Stephen Kwan was out there literally bleeding and they have, they were having to check him for a concussion. And that just emotions were completely out of control, and it was just bad. And a lot of the players were saying they had never seen anything like this. It was insane the fact that this happened. And then soon after that hit, Labor Torres came up to bat, and he actually ended up getting a game-winning double. And right as that happened, Miles Straw was over in right field, and it looked like a fan actually attempted to throw a beer at him, which ended up hitting another player. Ended up hitting Mercada. That's when everything went ballistic. Fans kept throwing water bottles, beer bottles, pretty much anything that they they, they could get their hands on, and like a two feet radius was getting thrown on the field. You had guys like Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton running up to the you know the wall, telling them, "Hey, knock it off, knock it off, that's not cool." And it was just a really bad situation. It was twinning. It was tr- twinding It was trending on Twitter for the longest time. It's just stuff like this just makes me question a lot of fan bases, even in professional sports as a whole, because it's like, dude, these are, these are human beings at the end of the day. Like, no matter what, you can hate them all you want, chirp all you want, but don't start throwing stuff and try to physically hurt them over this stuff because, once again, this is a game. This is not, you know, and yes, I know they do this stuff as, as their livelihood, right? But I'm saying this is a game for us, right? This is not meant to be taken to where you're going to end up killing someone or hurting someone over it, right? But anyway, I hope just we learn from this. I hope Yankee fans specifically learn from this whole situation that hey, you know, you're t- you're tarnishing your whole fan base because I know what not all Yankee fans are like this. I mean, we all know that. There's a lot of good Yankee fans out there, but the guys like that that start throwing stuff and wishing bad on people and start taunting guys when they're injured, that's just that that's what makes people not like these organizations in major league sports. So but anyway, guys, enough with me rambling. I want to, I want to thank y'all extremely so much for being patient with me and continuing to just always be there and always continue to show support. And I actually do got some really exciting news for y'all that I do want to talk about in Wednesday's episode. So we will talk about that. And yes, I'm sorry I'm leaving you on a cliffhanger, but it's gonna be y'all gonna be really excited to hear about it. But guys, I hope that y'all really enjoyed today's episode. I know that I enjoyed making it for y'all. Um, before y'all do leave, make sure that you are following the official Instagram and TikTok, the cover Seven with Mason Pierce podcast. I'll leave the links down in the description below. And guys, as always, I hope y'all have a fantastic Monday. I hope y'all have a fantastic start to y'all's week. And I will see y'all back again on Wednesday. Peace.